Hear ye, hear ye, all gather to hear Master Joe. From this point forward, we are going to call them Bridgewater. You know what we call 20 years around here? We call it Two Gruden. Nobody cares about fantasy, Sean. Nobody. They won the game they needed to win. Greg Williams should never step foot in an NFL locker room. You good? You got it all up? Events grow and grow and grow. It's reps and reps and reps. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, just throw and throw and throw and throw. Terrible, terrible, terrible defense. And we don't recognize boundaries in 2021. That has to make you happy as a Buffalo fan. I'm old, leave me alone. Because he's not a quarterback, so does this still count as QB hit? Like, this is the best. They are not going to eat some W's, but they will definitely eat some L's. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with the Z. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. I'm Joe McDonald, and as I always am, I'm joined on this Monday night. That's right, I said Monday night with Mr. Sean Lawler. Sean, how are you doing tonight, sir? Not too bad. I caught a little bit of the Peyton and Eli. I got in late, but I caught a few bits of it. Um, it's not too bad. Why they need a play-by-play guy. No, they're not doing play-by-play. That is not what they are doing. No. They need somebody. There's some dead spots. <laughs> we'll just keep it at that. Normally, the man in dead spots are in the middle of their forehand, but apparently now it's in the conversation. I, I don't want to watch them. I'm sorry. It's just not my thing. But, Sean, we have more important things to talk about than the Manning Brothers. It's the actual NFL. We're in week eight, if you can believe it. We're just finishing up right now. The Kansas City Chiefs are leading the New York Giants 7-0. But we don't care about that game, Sean. We care about the games that are actually finished. We had some upsets. We had some big, uh, big surprises, I think, to some people. And a little bit of this and that that we're going to get into. So let's get right into week eight. If you Again, I can't believe week eight, Sean. Week eight. Let's get to the first game on the schedule. The Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. This game was known for two big things. Matt Ryan's bloody hand. And the Carolina Panthers getting knocked around like crash test dummies. If you're old enough to remember what those things were. Sam Darnold gets knocked out of the game with a massive hit. Robbie Anderson looks like he got split in half on a, on a catch. It was bad. But the Panthers hold on to win 19-13 to and are actually in the seventh playoff spot of the NFC, if you can believe that, which is depressing. Sean, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? And if you tell me Matt Ryan, I'm going to punch you in the nose. No, it's my other stock. <laughs> it's, it's Sam Darnold. That hit he took was ridiculous. Um, like, just – it's funny. I watched the game with my dad this weekend. He came came up to visit, and he he is like, slide. What are you doing? Slide. Like, why are you running? Like, the, we watched the Buffalo game. We'll get to that. But mm. Sammy D, like, got hit hard. And yeah. he should have been sliding. No, that was, I mean, it really, I mean, I was joking, but it really was no joke. There were two of the probably hardest hits that you saw all weekend were in that game for one team. I don't know what he's going to have going forward. We'll see. Again, I mean, Carolina winning a really ugly game. Atlanta have been playing well as of late, you know, racking up a couple wins, nothing fancy, but, you know, not being as bad as they could be. But then they come right back down into the muck and let a, a Panthers team still missing Christian McCaffrey beat them at home. I mean, that, that can't be good, right, Sean? Well, the defense had a good game for Carolina, so, but it is indicative of Atlanta's offense. You know, that Matt Ryan stock is just not doing so hot right now. <laughs> it's not. 
Uh, one thing that happened before the game is Calvin Ridley was announced out for personal reasons during the game. Actually, I thought it was either during the game or maybe after the game, but it was definitely on Sunday. Calvin Ridley released a statement that he was stepping away from football to take care of his mental health. He just doesn't feel that right now he can perform. Uh, he thanked his teammates. He thanked the fans. He thanked the organization of the Atlanta Falcons. We saw Eagles lineman Lane Johnson take some time away. I think he missed about three weeks uh, dealing with uh, just personal issues, whatever they are. It's, it's you know mental health, whatever you want to refer to it as. Again, showing that the NFL, as flawed as it may be, certain teams at least are addressing this in a serious manner and allowing these players to step aside. I say allowed. I'm sure people go, oh, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but if a player 15 years ago tried this, then, you know, people are burning the jerseys and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to know, hopefully, that we've come in a, uh, a different light to it. And so that was nice. What, what are your thoughts on Calvin Ridley stepping away? Well, it's just hooray for long-term leave coming into the workforce for the NFL, the ability to do something like this. They have forced long-term leave by your employer. Um, but now if people can step away like Calvin Ridley's doing. That's, you know, somebody of his magnitude, it, it helps somebody who's not Calvin Ridley be able to think that they can do the same thing too. Yeah. And, and as the ESPN host, Tony Reale say, it's okay to not be okay. Uh, if you need to, we've talked about all your mental health and, and taking a, a step away and a break away. Sean, let's get right into the next game. After discussing that, your Buffalo Bills invited the Miami Dolphins back. The Bills winning by double digits, but it didn't always look that pretty. Uh, the Bills win 26-11. to 11. Again, Tua comes off the four-touchdown performance and mm, kind of comes back down to earth. Josh Allen... Okay, you know, like the, the, the Bills looked uh, – again, they're a division opponent. They're your rival. You, know, you beat them bad the first time. But, Sean, what were your biggest thoughts to me asking? You clearly watched this game. Yeah, so it, it was a tough first half. It was a defensive battle. Both defenses were playing really well. Um, Tua wasn't playing too badly. The good thing you like, Josh Allen loses a fumble. Or, yeah, loses the fumble. But no interceptions, so that was good. He did get two touchdowns. It was the fourth quarter. They ended right. They they played well at the end. But yeah, the slow start that's worrisome if they're going to play somebody who's got a pretty good offense. Um, Miami's was lackluster at best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at best. <laughs> yeah, I, this game I kept you know the scroll going on. I didn't have this game in my area. I was watching another game. But I kept seeing the score underneath. I kept thinking, like, okay, you know, Buffalo. Buffalo, as much as we talked about them, you know, offensively being so good and defensively being so good, they have had a couple slow starts, just a few. I don't know if that's – I don't know what it is. But, again, you get the win. That's all you can ask for at this. You don't have to, they don't have to all be pretty. They don't have to be shutouts against Houston or shutouts against – was it Miami that you shut out before, too? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, they don't have to be shutouts, but getting the win is nice. But the Josh Allen MVP train, it's chugging along. He's just not uh, – it's not up to full. It got a, full it got a late boost at the end, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. He's still got some time. You got some weeks They're left. just trying to establish the run. That will say that's what's happening. <laughs> They're not really able to establish – You mean the run with Josh the... Allen? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. He needs to Moving slide Moving on more. to our next game. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Moving on to our next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to Chicago and beating the Bears 33-22. to This game was actually really close in the fourth quarter. Justin Fields made an incredible play off what looked like was going to be a catastrophe. And I think had, what, given the Bears the lead or, or tied it up real close in the fourth quarter, but then some turnovers and the 49ers just taking advantage. Again, this was another, like, there's 55 points. And I'm not sure that the offenses were all that spectacular. I mean, Debo Samuel had like a like an 83-yard catch and that wasn't a touchdown, which set up a short score. Jimmy Garoppolo has zero touchdowns, but runs two in. Like, it was just kind of a wonky game. I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from this, Sean? Uh, it's just how quickly San Francisco took over at the fourth quarter because it was for a while there it looked like Chicago was going to win and I was like oh nice Justin Fields going to get the win that's sweet and yeah Garoppolo just led them back he you know put the team on his back and ran a couple in <laughs> yeah I mean again every time that Trey Lance comes back from from injury or every time you know Jimmy's like okay now everybody it's time for Trey Lance and Jimmy's just like nah actually I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna win the game like, as much shit as I give Jimmy Garoppolo, and as much as I'm not a fan, like, the guy has a really great winning percentage. Like, Buddy Ryan complained that all Chris Carter did was catch touchdowns. And it's like, well, all Jimmy Garoppolo does is win at, like, a historic rate. That's what he does. <laughs> like it or not, it's, yeah, could you ask more of the guy? Sure. He got a road win in the NFL. What more do you want from him? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's the biggest conundrum. Uh, it's because the losses are just bad. It's it is. We're oh, we're gonna get to a bad loss later of, of a quarterback people thought highly of. But let's let's get to the next game first. This is a game I watched because it's in my area. The Pittsburgh Steelers went to Cleveland and knocked off the Browns. The Browns had Baker Mayfield. They had OBJ. They had Miles Garrett. Pittsburgh did not have their kicker after a horrible fake field goal attempt, and he got knocked out of the game our friend Cameron was not happy about the hit thinking it was a penalty Pittsburgh wins 15 to 10 with no field goal kicker for basically the whole second half and about half of the first half Sean this game was sloppy it was bad uh you know TJ Watt made plays as he's going to do Miles Garrett made plays as he's going to do outside of that uh Mayfield didn't look great uh there was some drops the Pittsburgh offense Najee Harris I mean, looked explosive at times, but even then was just kind of like a guy. It, it was – for for a game that seemed to be hyped up, it, it was a big letdown. What was your biggest takeaway from this game, Sean? Probably that kicker getting hit. That was absolutely tough. I don't – I see all sides of the argument. I don't know mm -hmm. where I really stand. If I, If that was my kicker, I'd be like, yeah. Roughly oh, the yeah. I see both sides. It was, you know. It, it was a judgment call at best. And, yeah, he, and it's, the, it's up to the, it's more about what you think about the player, like pushing the, yes. kick, the punter. Like, but, but our, and I say our friend Cameron, our friend Cameron's a diehard Steelers fan. He brought up a good point and he goes, well, he's not a kicker at that point, he's a thrower. Because, okay, he is. He got the direct snap. He's the quarterback. He has all the abiding rules of a quarterback. Here's the And here's the part where I, I, I saw the play live. I watched the replays. It's a 50-50 judgment call at best. When, the, when Boswell, who, by the way, is one of the 
best kickers in football. I'm not sure that this is the smartest play to run with one of the best kickers in football to roll out to the side and throw, but that's just my opinion. Boswell made the clear mistake that a lot of guys who don't throw the ball all the time do. He left his feet. He did a little bit of a jump to throw the ball into the end zone. When you leave your feet, it is always going to look worse. It's always going to – now, the guy pushed. If Boswell's on the ground, it's probably not a penalty. He probably just gets pushed over. Boswell was off his feet. The guy pushed him. It was, again, very borderline. If they would have called it, I would have had no issues with it. None at all. But that led to Boswell getting hurt. Like, you, you have to be smart. If you're going to call those plays, you better be damn sure that you know what you're doing. And at that time, it didn't look like the Steelers and Chris Boswell knew what they were doing. So that's a fair point. Yes. All right, on to our next game, which, despite having a ton of points, was not as equally entertaining. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles traveled to Detroit and kept the Lions winless. The Eagles winning 44-6. to Detroit had been building some momentum, a couple late-second losses. They kept it close against the Rams. Well, they just gave back all their, uh, all their hope and optimism in the, in the terms of being beaten by 38 at home by the Eagles. Uh, Sean, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? The offense from Philadelphia was pretty interesting. Um, just a lot of running with Jalen Hurts and seemed to be doing well. I think that was buoyed by their defense playing mm-hmm. as well as they did. That allowed the offense to play like that. I, I don't think they can play it long-term in the you know, a game where they have to play more offense than that. But it was it was pretty interesting and tough to watch in Detroit, I assume. The Detroit has to sell. Tomorrow's the trade deadline. Detroit has to try and just get some assets for or get some picks for some guys because they are going nowhere fast. I mean, guys that are going to be part of your future, you know, Swift, things of that sort, obviously you keep on to, you got to build around them, but they've got some high-priced and mid-priced guys that just need out the door because this team is just bad. Again, for all the for all the hope and optimism they've built up over the last couple of weeks, it came crashing down in this game. And that's not to say they should give up and go 0-17, oh, but, man, they just – they cannot – Is is anybody talking about – Dan Campbell's kind of the perfect coach for an O and 17 team. Oh, he makes, a ton, he makes for, a ton of sense. Yeah. Having played on the O and 16 team. I, uh, yeah. I think Dan I, Campbell's I probably like the best coach you could have going to go through this. Other than Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'd rather take Dan Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right. Moving on to our next game. We have, a very exciting game, which had some craziness back and forth. The Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, Sean, we could have just done a whole pot about this game. The Titans win in overtime 34 to 31. The two biggest things to come out of this, number one, running back Derrick Henry is injured in the game, but yet still continues in the game and has 28 total carries. Today he was placed on IR after having, well, he'll have surgery tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, November 2nd, and he will be out what is looking to be a minimum of six to 10 weeks. Some are hoping he can come back to the end of the season, but it's probably closer to season ending. We've talked about the attrition that Derrick Henry has had. What he's done is really superhuman. Well, even Superman, you know, had kryptonite, and it just seemed to be that bad luck and a Jones fracture in his foot is what is what stopped Derrick Henry. The other thing that came out of this game was Carson Wentz's decision-making. Carson Wentz 
was having a really good season. I only had one interception on the season, uh, was playing really well. The Colts, despite having some injuries and having some kind of wonky losses, uh, are a competitive team. Carson Wentz had three interceptions, one in overtime that basically gave, you know, Tennessee the game. One was a pick six in the fourth quarter that was one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life by a quarterback backed up. I mean, he was looked like he was going to get sacked in the end zone, looked like he was going to fumble in the end zone, switched it to his left hand, threw it up, and then it was caught at like the two. It was bad. Sean, address both those things. Address nothing. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? It was Ryan Tannehill. Um, I'm, I saw this game on red zone, so I saw the highlights basically. And Ryan Tannehill's touchdown passes were phenomenal. Like the one to AJ Brown was a fantastic throw. He had a really good game. And if they're going to survive with Derrick Henry gone, that's going to have to be the MO going forward. I did, I don't think any of their other running backs are going to be anything like Derrick Henry. You basically have to audible the season the offensive plan yeah everybody's talking about like oh tennessee needs to now news today the titans have signed adrian peterson yes that adrian peterson to a contract so they're gonna they're gonna try and replace him with that but somebody brought up a good point is tennessee oh they need to trade for running back they need to trade for a wide receiver this offense is not going to be able to go through the running game the way it has so you're going to need to rely on Tannehill. Julio Jones has not been the acquisition they've looked for. He's looked good at times, but he hasn't been on the field a lot. A.J. Brown has been nicked up. He's missed time. So if you're going to rely on Tannehill, you have to get him more weapons. John U. Smith left in, um, left in free agency. Uh, Corey Davis left in free agency. So you need to get some weapons around Tannehill or believe in the weapons you have before tomorrow's trade deadline and go from there. But it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Titans morph because, again, they're first in their division. We all know how important Derrick Henry is to the team, so we'll see what happens. But it's definitely a crazy one. And Carson Wentz, I mean, maybe this is his one game that he makes bad decisions and loses, but he's he's got to rein it in, man. Some of those were bad. He looked great at other times. But, man, when he looked bad, he looked bad. Speaking of looking bad, Sean, our next game, whew, this was this was the upset of the day. The New York Jets, that's right, the New York Jets beat the Cincinnati Bengals 34 to 31. Mike Davis, Mike, is that correct? Mike Davis? Or Mike no, White. Mike White, I'm sorry. Mike Davis uh, is running back. Jesus, White man. Lotus, Mike apparently. White making his first career start throws for 400 yards. The first Jet in, what, 21 years? Is it 21 or 15 years? I can't remember what it was. It's been a long time. Yeah. Since a Jets quarterback has thrown for 400 yards. Beats the Bengals. The Jets went up early. The Bengals come back and get close and then take the lead. And then, believe it or not, the Jets storm a comeback in the fourth and win at home. Sean, what happened? Cincinnati's defense didn't happen. That's for sure. <laughs> because <laughs> you know Joe Burrow had a respectable line it's the offense was humming Joe Mixon got involved I just don't I like Mike White 405 yards like yeah. you know 45 passes he was averaging nine yards a completion that's ridiculous that's good yeah. that's good 
it, so. it, it, it's insane because Cincinnati, the one thing they've had problems problems with this year at times has been running the ball efficiently. Like you have that lead in the fourth quarter, and if your line was playing better, you should run out the clock against the Jets. The problem is, is Mixon is getting yards, but he's getting like a big chunk play and then nothing. And when you can't get those chunk plays and you're trying to run out the clock, it just doesn't work that way. And Cincinnati was unable to to keep the ball when they did have a lead, and the Jets just apparently just saying fuck it like this is not the offense that zach wilson was running or or whatever but i mean this was insane i mean 400 think about the think about the first round draft picks they've had you know they drafted sam darnold high he didn't have a 400 yard game mark sanchez high didn't have a 400 yard game they've top 10 picks and they haven't had a career 400 yard game excuse me so it's just it's crazy. I mean, that's definitely the upset of the week. I could not believe it. I just was like, oh, Cincinnati's going to come back. They'll win. No, man. Jets. Yeah, it was all dumb. serious. He got a lot. He got almost 100 yards to Michael Carter, 95 yards to the running back. Yeah, that helps. Nine completions. Yep. Hey, that helps. All right, moving on to the next game. The LA Rams beat the Houston Texans 38 to 22. Man, really nothing coming out of this game exciting at all. I mean, again, we talk about the trade deadline. We're going to talk about a a trade here at the end of the at the end of the recap. The Texans just not a very good team right now. The Rams, class of the NFC, maybe possibly top three, uh, just doing what they have to do. Sean, other than Cooper Cup being on pace to set like every receiving record there is, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? It wasn't much. Uh, Daryl Henderson had a good game. That was pretty much it. That's all. It, that's what you were looking for out of the Rams to get. Like you need to get him going for the future. Because mm-hmm. Matt Stafford, you know, he'll throw it around Cooper Cup, but they got to control the clock. Houston scored a bunch of points at the end, but it didn't really matter. Yeah, because they were up so much. Yeah, that game wasn't nearly as close. That's one of the things I saw was people who bet like. LA was up huge and then Houston comes back and like covers. So it was making people mad who like bet the LA line. It's like, well, you know, that's what you get for gambling. Uh, yeah. Not, not much coming out of that game. All right. On to the next game, the New England Patriots travel cross country to LA to play the chargers knocking off the chargers 27 to 24. Uh, the big news coming out of this game, Justin Herbert, again, looking kind of mortal, uh, had a decent game. Threw two picks to Adrian Phillips, the ex-charger. Had uh, a pick six to kind of seal it in the fourth and had another pick off a tip. Again, the Patriots, ball control. I think they got the ball with like nine minutes and change left. They kicked a field goal to go up 10 points with like two minutes and 12 seconds. Like they had exactly what Cincinnati wanted, which was a long, sustained, run the clock, run the ball drive. They were able to do that. Sean, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Just that pick six, that turn of events at the end Mm -hmm. that kind of turned it around for them. But Mac Jones, I was surprised to see that he did get a touchdown. Like, I didn't catch the whole game. We caught the end of it. But I I would have assumed he would have gotten a touchdown. But Yeah, no, he he didn't. Damian Harris scores again. It's – it's crazy the way that they're doing this. I mean, the Patriots went from one and three and everybody writing these wonderful articles about how the Patriots are dead and Belichick's overrated and they suck. 
And now they're four and four right in the hunt of the AFC with three fairly winnable games right in front of them. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you lean on youth. This is what happens when you lean on free agency. We've seen other teams who spend big money and it takes time to get going because guys just aren't built together. They had the league high in opt-outs last year. Their starting quarterback is a rookie. Their number two draft pick was Christian Barmore, who is just creating terror on the interior defensive line for teams. Again, this is what you have to give it time. This is why they say like a season, this now is 17 games. We're essentially a little less than halfway through. I'm pretty confident where the Patriots are at right now, four and four. It it takes time. And in a team, we saw two teams like uh, I almost said San Diego, like LA and Cincinnati, where they're the toast of the town and they run out to these big, you know, records. And all of a sudden it's like, well, the Bengals just had a letdown against the Jets. Well, the Chargers just lost at home to the Patriots. So, like, it really is an ebb and flow league, Sean. It is. It is. Um, I don't think the Patriots are that good, though. But yeah. That's fine. But they're going to stay competitive, which is a lot more than people thought they were going to do four weeks ago. Well, some, some people thought very highly of them. <laughs> well, some, some people on other podcasts may have had them in the Super Bowl. That was not me personally, but other people did. All right, let's move on. We got a few more games here to go over. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Jaguars 31 to 7. Jeez, oh man, Urban Meyer, just go away. Apparently, that win in London did not do anything to instill confidence. Uh, the big news James Robinson for the Jaguars apparently avoided major injury. That's uh, really the only thing that came out of the game. You know what, though? I, you got to give it up. Geno Smith gets the win. I mean, it's against the bad Jacksonville team, but Seattle easily could have been laying down all these weeks, and they're trying to at least stay competitive, and they go out and win one. Yeah. Nothing? You have nothing? No, I, I didn't catch any <laughs> of the game. I, I believe this is by Todd Packer, so I decided not to subject myself to that. That's fine. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right, let's move on to the Joe Bowl. The Washington football team loses to the Broncos 17 to 10 the end of this game was crazy the Broncos were trying to run out the clock Chase Young stripped the ball Washington got it back at like the 22 yard line with a chance to at least tie it of course they didn't because you know they're Washington uh, this game the big news coming out of this game the Broncos are still in playoff contention <laughs> I guess is the best thing you could say that's really all coming from this game it, it's just this seems like two teams that are just coming into the season had so much hope by a lot of people, not just me, but by a lot of people. And both teams are just faltering at this point. They're, they just cannot get it, their acts together. I mean, that's really all that comes that it comes down to for me. What about you, Sean? Yeah, I'll just give a shout out to Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he almost got the Bridgewater this week. He almost he did. did not. We're almost there, Sean. It. We're not going to forget this time. <laughs> Yeah, Teddy, Teddy's got to get one for himself this year. He's got to get one for himself. Uh, let's move on to Teddy Bridgewater's forward team from whence the Bridgewater was named. The New Orleans Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 36-27. to uh, This game, the big news coming out of it, Tom Brady looking mortal and Jameis Winston tearing his ACL in the game. Trevor Simeon comes in and actually holds on for the win. Uh, Brady throws a game-sealing pick six to finish it off. This game was crazy, topsy-turvy, 
I mean, all kinds of weird stuff. Jameis was in the locker room dancing afterwards when there was first trickles of reports that it was the ACL, but he's officially done for the year. Sean, what was your biggest takeaway from this? Just the quarterback situation in New Orleans. I think Taysom Hill has his work cut out for him going into I, this next week. I'm not I'm not sure of who that is, but Trevor Simeon is the quarterback. But I feel bad for Jameis Winston because he actually started out really well. Mm. And because I it was this game and the New England game that we had going on. We were switching back between Fox and CBS. And yeah, Jameis started out well. And but we had we were watching the New England game when the injury happened. So mm-hmm. then when we came back and Simeon was in there, we're like, "What the heck happened?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah what happened? And they kept not they talked about it, but they didn't show it. They well, kept they not showed showing it enough after it happened. Yeah, yeah. But like after that, it was like permanent ban on like showing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, to me, it not just this game. You know, not just the way he started out. Jameis was having a good season. Because you know what he wasn't doing? He wasn't throwing games away. He wasn't doing the stuff that he had gotten critiqued for in Tampa Bay. Like, New Orleans has a winning record. New Orleans has a winning record because Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback. Like it or not, like, Kamara's having a good season. He's not the best running back in football this year. Michael Thomas isn't in there catching slants 10 times a game. Like, Jameis Winston, and now that defense has played really well. I thought the defense was going to take a huge step back. They played pretty well. I'm not on the Skip Bayless train that they're the best defense in football to try and make Tom Brady look better. They're a good defense. But Jameis Winston has been leading them to victory. Like, he's a good leader. He's a good quarterback. He's not a great elite quarterback. He's not a great – like, you can just be good at those things. And that's what and that's what New Orleans needed this year. And I, I personally, I just think that they're going to crumble by the wayside. I just don't – whether it's Taysom Hill, whether it's Trevor Simeon, I know a lot of people think Sean Payton's a top three coach. I mean, show us, but it, it's really tough. I mean, it, it's it's just really unfortunate to see that. Yeah, and I think what you're hitting on there is Sean Payton was getting a Bridgewater out of Jameis Winston, but he was actually being more efficient. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're right, though. It's everything that he asked Teddy Bridgewater to do a couple of years ago is exactly yeah. what Jameis was doing just in a different way. And Jameis, for like, oh, he's got to throw for 5,000 yards. He's got – no, he really doesn't. Like, sure, he'd like to air the ball out. They don't have the team to do that. And he was perfectly fine playing within that system. And I'll tell you this, Sean, a team has never needed a bye week more than Tampa Bay. They're on their bye week now. They need it. Uh, Gronk came back, played five snaps, out. Richard Sherman came back. He didn't finish the game. They need a bye. They they are going to – They've got to go find some quarterbacks. <sighs> They, no, no, Tampa Bay, I'm saying. Yeah, they got to go saying, find hey, some cornerbacks, like some defensive oh, cor- backs. Oh, oh, cornerbacks. I thought you said quarterbacks. So I was like, wait no, a corner, Cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, cornerbacks. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they really do. A team has never needed a buy more than Tampa Bay right now. A good team. They just need to, you know, take a break, relax, get themselves healthy, and, and get ready for the second half of the season. So this works out perfect for them. You don't want to come onto it with a loss, but it works out good for them. All right, uh, our last game on the slate, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys somehow, Sean, going on the road and winning, beating the Minnesota Vikings 20-16. to 16. The reason I say that's surprising is because Dak Prescott did not play. It was reported that Dak's calf injury was a little bit worse than originally thought. He might, might be ready for their next game. But 
Cooper Rush, getting his first career NFL start, throws a touchdown in the last two minutes to Amari Cooper, knocking off the Vikings 20-16. to Sean, I watched a lot of this game up until the end when I just couldn't stay awake any longer. I'm kind of sad that I missed it. But, I mean, Minnesota, offensively, just could not do anything. And Dallas kept themselves around, which is exactly what you hope for with a backup quarterback. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? The Dallas defense played really well um, against Minnesota. They really held Justin Jefferson down. Mm-hmm. And it that's the only thing that – I think that's who's made Kirk Cousins look half-decent this year is mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. They couldn't get him going. No. Um, Micah Parsons has just been a missile out there. It's been Dallas ridiculous. is hitting, man. Man, they were laying the wood Every time I looked up, if it was if it wasn't Parsons, it was somebody just nailing somebody. Yeah, so it's that's exactly it. Like this was a tough game for Minnesota offensively, because even defensively they played pretty well. Yeah, you know it's it was a low scoring affair. Yeah, there was really two busted plays, one for each team. Is Thielen got open on the on the one touchdown for Minnesota, and then Cedric Wilson excuse me, getting open for the other one and just, you know, absolutely burning the Minnesota defense. I, I felt like the Minnesota players really struggled to get up. And I mean, they were, they were getting hit a lot. I felt like they were Steve Perel telling the story in the 40 year old virgin when he's talking about his fake girlfriend. Oh yeah. You're nailing me. Like that's all Minnesota uh, offenders were like last night. That's just, they kept on Dallas players. Every time they were getting hit, they weren't getting drugged down. They were getting clobbered. They were getting hung up on the wall every single time. And that's just something Dallas did not do last year. And there's a big reason why they're one of the top teams in the NFC and really all of the league. Yeah. So, and their receivers are special. Like you saw it last night. (laughs) Yeah. Amari Cooper had a phenomenal game. CeeDee Lamb is just something else. Yeah. It's disgusting. All right, right now, update on the game. The Giants and Chiefs are tied seven apiece. God, that's depressing to say. Uh, Sean, we have completely forgotten about the Bridgewater every single recap episode. Let's not forget it. Sean, would you like to tell the audience who our Bridgewater of the weekend was? Yeah, we almost forgot it again. Um, Our Bridgewater (laughs) (laughs) the weekend was Ryan Tannehill. 23 of 33 for 265, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Yeah, that's it, it's yeah, yeah. That, that's a pretty good one. I felt yeah. comfortable with that. How about yourself? I did too. Geno Smith, just not enough yards. Teddy Bridgewater, just need another touchdown or a touchdown interception. If he'd gone two and one, I would have, I would have loved to have given it to him. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you a quick few notes here and then i want to talk about a trade that happened which was very important one is sean payton speaking of the new orleans saints this was from nick underhill sean payton has had five different quarterbacks play 50 percent or more of the offensive snaps in a game over the last three seasons he's won games with all five that's insane why isn't he in college like a college I, team really should be going after him. Yeah, like, forget the Mike Tallman stuff. Go after Sean Payton, right? Yeah, like. And <laughs> speaking of backup quarterbacks, this was from Adam Schefter yesterday. Sunday was the revenge of the backup. 
Cooper Rush, Mike White, Geno Smith, and Trevor Simeon combined for nine total TDs and one one game for all their teams. Cooper Rush and Mike White, not Mike Davis, were both getting their first NFL head starts. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. All right. As we said, it is coming up on the trade deadline, so we have to talk about the big trade real quick. Vaughn Miller, the eight-time Pro Bowler from the Denver Broncos, was traded to the L.A. Rams today. Compensation. Denver is picking up $9 million of his $9.7 remaining salary. For that, they are getting the Rams second and third round picks in next year's draft. Sean, what did you think of the trade? What do you think of the details? Who benefits the most? Any other thoughts? Well, the Rams didn't really have any first round picks to give up. <laughs> no. I think <laughs> I think a second and a third is is pretty good for Von Miller and Denver's taking back some salary, you said. Denver's Denver's paying nine of the nine point seven million because oh, the Rams yeah. don't have any cap space. So that's a great deal for the Rams. Well, that's the but that's why you rental. have to give up a second and a third is because yeah. you're yeah, you're paying them for the salary. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great deal for the Rams. I, th- I think it's an okay deal. Von Miller obviously isn't the player that you know he used to be. You know, if he was the player he used to be, he's getting a hell of a lot more than a second and a third. I think this is a great deal for Denver. I think that Von Miller has fallen off. He's an all-time great. He's always going to be considered a Denver Bronco. He was gone after this year. There was talks he was going to be gone before this year. They weren't sure he was going to come back. You're eating nine million dollars that you were going to pay him anyway. So, like the money-wise. You don't care. You're not trading for Aaron Rodgers during the season. You're not making any big money splashes to bring somebody in, whether it's a quarterback or another position. So that money you already have slotted for Vaughn Miller. For that money now, instead of getting a player who at the end of this year isn't really going to bring you anything in terms of compensatory picks probably and isn't going to resign, you get a second and a third. So We've we heard all offseason about Denver being in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes and the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and this sweepstakes and that sweepstakes. Well, when you have additional second and third round draft picks, that helps. Whether you're trying to build a team through the draft and you have a a nice foundation of players and you want to add youth, or if you want to make trades, whether that is for other veterans, whether it's for quarterbacks or whoever it is. A second and a third is nothing to scoff at. They didn't trade him for a six-rounder in three years. I mean, they got two tangible picks in next year's draft. I think that's pretty good for Denver. Yeah, you can go first, second, and, and two seconds, and you're like, you, that's the top pick right there. I mean, you you could do a first, you know, in next year's draft, you do a first, two twos, and a three, and then a one the next year. Yeah depending on who you're trading and what you have to give up and things of that sort. Um, I, I want to give you a quick rundown of the 2022 draft picks for the Rams as of right now. First round pick, that one's going to the Lions. Second round pick to the Broncos. Third round pick to the Broncos. Although they will get a compensatory pick for the hiring of Brad Holmes for a minority candidate. Fourth round pick traded to the Texans. They do own their own fifth round pick. So go Rams. Uh, sixth <laughs> round pick traded to, the, traded to the Patriots. And they own their own seventh round pick 
and have one of the Dolphins seventh round picks. So Ooh. they're really going to have more trading pieces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're really going to have to find some sleepers down there, Sean. Uh, okay. No, it's not Udo, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's that weird type of poker where you have to have the worst hand and that wins instead of like, you know, Hey, I got all aces and kings. No, no, actually, I have a two, a four, a nine, a six. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you win. I don't know why, but you win. Quick. Who do you think, quote unquote, wins the trade? Well, it's Denver because they weren't going to get anything. Like, this is the best they're going to do for Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rams are doing this because they're trying to win a Super Bowl. They, yeah. if they win the Super Bowl, then it's a draw. Yeah. Anything less, it's it's a Denver win. Even if if they win the Super Bowl and Von Miller plays a part in it, I think you could probably even call it a win for LA because unless they draft a life altering player in the second round, you'd still take the Super Bowl over those picks. But again, it's it's it it really is a win win at this point for both teams. LA is getting another pass rusher to help Aaron Donald, even if he's a part-time player. They're getting rid of draft picks that they obviously don't want anyway. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But if they flame, I mean, people talked about it in the Ringer NFL group. If if they flame out in the first round, I mean, they traded assets for Stafford. They traded assets for Vaughn Miller. They traded assets for lots of, you know, Jalen Ramsey paid these guys big money. They're not going to have an influx of youth because they have no draft capital. They're not going to have an influx of talent because they don't have any cap space. I mean, it, it, it really is kind of all or nothing this year. I mean, isn't it? Uh, we, yeah. we talk about they're this team that's like, oh, they're such, you know, but I haven't really heard the term all in or all, you know, all in team this year. I mean, no, they, they kind were of always the all in team. Like, they, I don't they know. Were, but I mean, I guess just thinking of like the next two years or so, even no, the salary <laughs> cap's not going to go up for two years. They're not going to get any salary cap relief from these massive contracts for a couple of years. Like the Chiefs with Mahomes and some of these guys have, you know, planned it further down the, the line of when this money's going to kick in. I mean, the Rams are doing it now. Yeah. If they don't win this year, like, how are you going to improve next year? Well, who do they have coming back? Donald's coming back. I mean, Donald will come back. Randy will come back. Yeah. You know, Stafford will come back. back. Yeah. But I mean, isn't Cooper Cup going to want a deal after this season? Yeah. Is anyone going to renegotiate? I mean, is Robert Woods going to be unhappy and ask to get out of there? Like, who knows? Yeah. And again, it all depends on what they do in the playoffs. If they go all the way to the Super Bowl and win it, who cares? Fuck it. We'll blow it up like the Florida Marlins. But, you know, if, uh, if they flame out in the first round or the divisional round or something, eh, it's not going to be an easy conversation. Oh, I, I think it's Super Bowl or bust. They don't. Oh, it has made, to be. Yeah. So it's. It has to be. All right, Sean, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, that's everything. All right. Well, that's great. I thought we did really good. That was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, best health wishes to the players that are hurt. That's always sucks when you see, you know, Players like that just, you know, get hurt. We talked about, again, how great Derrick Henry is and things of that sort, and Jameis having a bounce-back season and stuff like that. But I do want to ask you one one quick question. What team are you most surprised has the record they have right now, good or bad? What's the one team that you look at and you're just like, man, did not see that coming? It's Miami, to be honest. I oh really? I didn't see it being that bad. 
like it's yeah it's it's been a tough season i don't want okay. i don't want brian flores to lose his job but it, it's been a tough season <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, like I, it's, yeah, I it has. you know, I I thought she'd definitely lose to the Bills twice. That's that's a given, obviously. But oh, <laughs> I thought they'd be closer to five hundred than zero. Yeah, yeah, it's not pretty down there. They've they they won that first week against yeah, New that, England, which yeah. was a game that New England really should have won if not for the fumble, and they haven't won since. Right? Haven't they lost seven in a row? Yeah, six in a row, seven. Seven. In I mean, it's row. been bad. Um, to me, I'm going to go the opposite end. I'm going to go Dallas. I didn't think Dak yeah. was going to be as healthy as he was. Now, right now, he's injured, so that's a whole other thing. But like seven and one, no way. I didn't see it. I if you'd have told me like five and two or five and three, I'd have been like, okay, you know, all right. But then they'll tail off. Seven and one, and the only loss is opening night to you know. Tampa Bay champs. <laughs> that's that's not, I was I didn't see that. I didn't think Zeke would would be this healthy. I didn't think Dak would recover like this. Now again, right now we'll see what happens. But they got the win. That uh, again, a lot of people chalked them up for a loss Sunday night on the road. Cooper Rush make his first start and they get the win. So again, seven and one did not see it coming. Definitely my surprise team. Yeah, no, and some more wins for to pad Mike McCarthy's. Hall of Fame candidacy, like he has to be at this point. But he, and it's he looks like no, he looks out of it. Like, did you see the record they showed during the game? Like, he's got he's got a really good record. And listen, and this is this is the this is the line. This is the line, Sean. This is where I can't have these discussions with stats only people because it has to partly be eye test. It really does. Is when you look at like all time coaching victories or current, co- we talked about this with Mike Tomlin, where he ranked in coaching victories and stuff. And it's like, who has more of a Hall of Fame candidacy, Mike Tomlin or Mike McCarthy? They have almost the identical record. Who is more of a Hall of Fame coach in your mind? It's probably Tomlin. Tomlin yeah. Right? Okay. But if you look at their records at just the numbers, Sean, let's take the real world out of it and look in the world of quote unquote analytics. Mike McCarthy is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. No, he's really not. He's not a Hall of Fame coach. Oh, and it was hilarious in yesterday's game when he went to reach for the uh, challenge card, a challenge flag, like really early in the game. I forget on some play that was just like, I was like, oh my God, you're so dumb. (laughs) Like like me and my dad were like, we both saw him reach for it and hold it. We're like, oh my God, if he calls this, like if he throws it, it's like, oh my God. He must have been taking a nap that day at Pro Football Focus. All right. On that note, enough McCarthy slander. Actually, you know what? It's not enough McCarthy slander, but we'll move on. All right. On that note, I'm Joe McDonald. That's Sean Lola. This is the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds of the Z. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. Go check out Sean, Trey, Marcus on the Cherry Stripe commentary. Check out our friends Brendan and Lewis on the Ginger's Tailgate podcast, where they are killing it was college football picks, man. I tell you what, they're going to end up on ESPN or FSN or one of those Vegas shows here real soon. They keep killing it. Uh, Sean, you have a wonderful night, sir. Uh, just take, take it easy. I tell you what, I can't wait to be over this. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Yeah. All right, peace.
So all the schedule, just schedule down. Um, and then at the end, talk about any of the injuries we missed. And of course, talk about the, the big trade in the NFL today. And then tomorrow being the trade deadline. Uh, how's that sound? Sounds good. And we're going to lead off with our Bridgewater of the Week so we don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have it's his... It's probably a good idea. If you have his numbers pulled up, that'd be great. Yeah, I got his. So it was him, Big Ben, like, it's close. Yeah. Only one touchdown, zero interceptions. Yeah, I, I looked at that too. I was like, meh. Yeah, I was actually true. thinking... I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I wonder what Mac Jones ended up with. He had zero and zero. He had no touchdown yeah. passes. Like, oh, well, you don't get it. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the only one. Garoppolo had no touchdowns. Like, Garoppolo would have had a perfect bridge. No, no, he had too many yards. I was Wait, like, oh, Garoppolo had yeah. too many yards and not enough I had no touchdowns. touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was not, that's like anti efficient. Well, I guess I know, he ran right? in. Yeah, he ran two in. Two in. Okay. He had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So we can call Jimmy that Garoppolo the running. We can call that the running Bridgewater. We'll call it the Sammy D. The two quarterback <laughs> touchdown game. <laughs> we don't need another category. My brain can't handle it. All right. Whenever you're ready, we'll get right into it. Good. Good.